Welcome to episode 845 of The Sleeper on the Bus. It's Tuesday, August 25th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? Doing pretty well, man. Big night of baseball on Monday. Actually, it was kind of a uh, kind of a standard night, I would say. You know, not, nothing crazy happened. Just kind of a, a run-of-the-mill quality night of baseball. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in full force. Looks like the uh, the New York issues there with the Mets was tamped down. Not going to be a huge deal. They're supposed to fire back up today. So you know we're progressing. Uh, let's just start real quick. What are your what, what's your percentage chance that we finish the season? One hundred. Think one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I feel pretty good about it too, because even if they have to cut some teams, like if something happens where a team has a breakout or something to that degree. And, you know, especially if they're not doing that well, the league might just be like, okay, see y'all, you guys are gone, but uh, the rest of the league is going to continue. But yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, I think it's definitely finishing, uh, which is good. It feels good to have and got to be honest now at this point, I'm lamenting its departure because we only have like a month month plus left. So I'm already, uh, I'm already feeling bad about how we're going to be without baseball in relatively short order. So uh, but let's not focus on that. Let's focus on what we've got. Take a look at some of the stuff from Monday night, and then we'll begin to another bigger topic, time-dependent here. Uh, but Jack Flaherty and Blake Snell both dealt on Monday night, and I think that's important because of the way their seasons have gone. Start with Flaherty for a moment. He hasn't been bad. He just has three starts <laughs> is, is the issue there. And one of them was an inning and two-thirds. The other was a, a seven-inning gem that you expect out of him. And then yesterday, five innings of one-hit shutout ball. Only three strikeouts, but you're not really complaining about uh, about the way everything went there. He does have a 198 ERA, but again, 13 and two-thirds. Snell, meanwhile, also hasn't really been bad. Um, got his ERA down to 304 with a one, 101 whip. Or, or excuse me, uh, 1.1 whip. However, the issue with him was building up innings. He was two, three, three, but then five, five, five and two thirds the last three times out. Still, you know, you'd love to see some sixes in there, but let's not get greedy. We'll take the fives because he was he's two and uh, two and oh in those three starts. He did not get a win yesterday. It was a no decision in the five and two thirds, four hits, two runs, a walk and nine strikeouts. He looked great. He looked like peak Snell yesterday. I watched the, the entirety of that game. It was excellent. So both these guys are are kind of cooking right now. Do you expect them to be ace-like the rest of the way? Can they, can their fantasy managers rely on them as the the go-to frontliners that they were drafted as? I think so. If you're just counting rest of the way, I think it's just a huge bummer for Flaherty that his season has been kind of cut so short because of the COVID issues and. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just not going to get those extra starts that you kind of were hoping for when you drafted him in the second round of most drafts. So, uh, no doubt. And, I mean, he, he's been great when he's been on the mound. It's just unfortunate for him, and it's not like his own injuries or his own issues, but his teams that has really held him back. So I, I do think that both of them are going to be ace-like rest of the way. Uh, a little bit more confident in Flaherty than I am in Snell just because of the matchups he'll be facing in his division as opposed to Snell having to uh, go up against the AL and NL East and what that can bring. 
so, uh, but yeah, no, I, th- I think they're both uh, going to end up being good picks overall. Just a little bit of a bummer the way things went with Flaherty and, and the Cardinals this year. Yeah, it, re- it really is. But um, going forward, should feel pretty good about where, where both of them are at. Nice to see both of them out there dealing. Uh, big update on Clevenger and Police. Well, not a big update, but an update, I should say. Uh, both are pitching at the alternate site, so they're both ready to go. They, they're throwing kind of uh, relatively full workloads. Clevenger had a an 80-pitch uh, five-inning simulated game last Wednesday. And uh, you, you had it right last time we spoke. About the 10 days uh, finished yesterday. It didn't feel, it felt much longer. It, it's weird. Uh, and we've talked about this throughout the entire, uh, the entirety of quarantine and everything, how time alternately moves way too fast and way too slow. Uh, it, at, the, at the same exact time, it seems so bizarre. But uh, yeah, so they both, and then a police act went 77 pitches over five innings the day after that. So today, yesterday ended the 10 day minimum that they needed to be down there. Now comes, how much more do they get? And it seems like a lot of this is, you know, related to the way the team reacted and, and doesn't want, you know, the, the other players who are very angry with them. And without really knowing one way or the other, I'll just ask you, you know, how do you think this goes? Uh, are we seeing these guys up this week? Are they down still for a while longer? What is your assessment of where we're going to go with Plesak and Clevenger from here now that they've served their minimum 10-day stay? I think one is going to be up shortly. The question is, I, I just don't know which one it's going to be. Uh, you have to be Clevenger, right? I would assume. He's that markedly better. No offense to Plesak, who's been excellent this year. Mm-hmm. But they have, I believe, uh, a to-be-determined game tomorrow in terms of uh, who's starting. And so it would make sense that uh, unless they're going to give Plutko another go. Uh, yeah, they... he's penciled in uh, at, at, at most sites as the guy. But um, so, yeah, are they, uh, they going to give him that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think we'll obviously know tomorrow. Uh, but, the, I mean, McKenzie earned another start. They've already said that he's going to get at least one more chance. My guess is Clevenger is up tomorrow. Uh, but, I mean, I could also see them just say, you know what, right now we're you know, in a pretty good spot at least to get one playoff spot. Um, we can hold these guys down for another week and get that extra year of service time. So That'd be so dumb. It would be, but I, I also understand that's part of playing the game sometimes. Uh, and with the trade deadline, maybe they want to move one of these guys now that they feel, you know, especially be Clevenger. Yeah. I don't think it'd be police sack. Um, with the, with the amount of time that he has, uh, team control, you know, like five years. But I mean, like, look at some of the pitchers on the market. I mean, Dylan Bundy has been rumored to be on the market. Uh, but I mean, then you're looking at guys like Trevor Williams, Sure. Yeah, we're not. Um, I'm actually got a piece coming out on the trade candidates, and we'll get into it on Thursday. We're going to have Jason Martinez on, and we'll talk in more detail about the trade market. And I understand that it's just a matter of also what what are people going to pay, what are teams going to pay here at the deadline um, in such a weird short season. I think that's a huge question mark right now that we don't really know, 
and that that is hard to say like what kind of offers are they getting if they were to make one of those guys available because i think both should yield a pretty big return you know but our team's gonna be doing that i mean they want to give up something big in this season i I guess it would depend on the team it should be a seller's market uh, but if the Brandon Workman trade uh, is any indication, yeah, I don't think it will be because of the returns. Yeah, that's that's what I think keeps it from from truly being a seller's market is that the returns are going to be so light. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, there's going to be so few sellers, comparatively speaking, to most seasons that we've seen recently that you would think the price would go up. But uh, I mean, Workman went for nothing. Nick Pavetta, dude. Yeah, He's exactly. So <laughs> so I thought he was. I'm so sorry. Yeah, a lot of us thought that, but he was not. He was not. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll kind of see how it goes with those two. Um, now that the now that they're free and clear of the timetable, you know, and something probably could have been worked out if they well if they needed um if there was like an injury they could have come back up. But since everything was going fine with regards to what uh, Cleveland's needs were. And, you know, Tristan McKenzie comes up and dominates. And I think even Putco had at least one good start in that run. So they barely missed them. That's kind of the crazy thing is, you know, this this pitching factory that mm-hmm. they have. You know, McKenzie's the best prospect of this bunch, too, Like as far as Harold. <laughs> you know, he's been heralded the most um, over any of the others here that we've seen with, with Bieber, Plesak, Clevenger, all developing Plutko was never really much of a prospect. So we'll see how it goes there. Speaking of Cleveland Indians, Aaron Savali was excellent again. And I think at this point, I'm just curious, where do you view him? Do you see Aaron Savali as a number two going forward? Um, you know, he's got the best walk rate in the league at 0.9 per nine. Uh, yeah, it's actually allowed more homers, five than walks at four. And, uh, you know, even the homer rate at 1.1 is certainly not bad. He's got a strikeout per inning on the button there with 40 and 40 innings. Where do you view Aaron Savali now going forward? Rest of the season. We'll worry about 21, 21 and beyond in the offseason. But where do you see Savali the rest of this year? Uh, I think he's a borderline number one. And that, I hear that. And as much, I mean, just because of the amount of people we've lost. Uh, yeah, that's true, too. And... Also, like, you know, I mean, if we start comparing him to, you know, the aforementioned Jack Flaherty, uh, how many Flaherty starts aren't going to be super deep because they're playing so many sevening double headers? That's an interesting point, too. You know, and then you got DeGrom and the Mets doing the same thing. It's, uh, I, I think there is an argument to be made that he is a top 15 starter, but I, I would say he's... At worst, in a 15-team league, he's a number two. If they bring both the guys back, Clevenger and Plesak, and they don't miss a beat, so we'll put that hypothetical out there, how do you rank their four starters? <clears throat> Bieber, Clevenger, Savale, Plesak. That's so good. Can they win the World Series with this offense? Yes. I think so, too, because it, it just it screams the type of team that starts hitting in the playoffs. It screams because it, even year Giants. 
Well, and these it's teams, not like they're talentless. Yeah, I mean, these teams that had just enough offense to get them through the regular season and then just dominated in the postseason because their pitching was so strong. Mm-hmm. You know, especially yeah, when you I think, think, like, you can move a guy like... Uh, uh, Police sack to the bullpen. Police sack, and McKenzie to the bullpen, and yeah, now you've true. you've got like you've got Plutko, Police sack, McKenzie uh, in the bullpen, and you've got these top three starters just rocking for you. Oh, we didn't even bring up Carrasco. Sorry, I knew we were. Missing oh, and Carrasco too. Where God. in that group? And then. he's been great too. <laughs> yeah. So, I, so you got Bieber, Carrasco, Savale, Police sack. Clevenger. It's yeah. just an embarrassment of riches. Like I, I really don't understand how they don't trade one of those their uh, guys they sent down for uh, for a big offensive piece. Perfect bat. I mean, yeah, I, I put mean... Carrasco behind uh, Savale at this point, probably in front of Plesac. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that's yeah. They, they're just an embarrassment of riches. If they, if, and I assume they will get to the playoffs. They're going to be one of the scariest teams in the American League. No doubt. Because, again, their offense has not been great, but they have offensive talent. So it's, it's not like I don't see a path to them even dominating at the dish. Like, there is a way where I could see their offense really kicking into high gear right when October hits. And then they're, you know, I don't want to say unbeatable, but <laughs> yeah, the, darn near. The top darn five near. of that lineup is pretty great. If they could trade... Uh, if they could trade one of those arms and they got a real impact bat mm-hmm. to you know hit you know fifth or fourth in that lineup, they would be uh, they would be a, just a dominant team. It'd be terrifying for anybody else, including you know their own division mate there, the Twins. Mm-hmm. And watching those two teams battle has been fun. It really has. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Merrill Kelly was scratched and then IL'd with a shoulder impingement. And, you know, he'd been having a really nice season. He was one of the few things kind of keeping the Diamondbacks going. They started to turn things around, and now they've lost six in a row again. And um, they're down to 13 and 17 last in that division. It's about over for them. And I really saw I saw some big things for them, and it has not, it has not panned out at all. With Merrill Kelly, a shoulder impingement that doesn't sound good. I don't believe we have a timetable as of yet. And I guess, you know, the real answer is, I guess, you know, we got to see what that does. But I don't think a shoulder impingement sounds very good. Do you think he's somebody that you're looking at cutting this week in uh, in NFBC formats and other formats that do not have an IL? I think you have to at this point. I mean, 10 days, that's a third of the season. And that's if it's just a minimum. Yeah, I mean, they've played exactly 30 games. They have exactly 30 games left. Uh, and so you, he's at least missing a third of their the rest of their season. Um, and like I said, and that's... I mean, the fact that he was not just scratched, he was immediately placed in the IL gives me a really, really bad feeling that this yeah. is going to be longer. And, I mean, in 10 days... They're going to be so far behind. Like, why would they even bring it back? Exactly. That's that's a big part of it too because they've sucked. They've been really bad. And uh, shockingly, you know, I mean, shockingly it, bad. Yeah, it's unfortunate because they've had some things go well too, including Kelly pitching really well. Um, Gallon's been as advertised as you know many folks 
had him as a breakout and you know it was it was correct to to put him on that next level he's been great but uh nothing else has really worked for them pitching wise Bumgarner and Weaver had been have been nightmares so yeah that's where they stand right now and I do think Kelly barring some amazing news this week coming out I think he's gone on a team like that. And then even in a situation where you do have an IL, but you have two and you got like two star level players, I think Kelly has to be the cut there. Uh, just given, I mean, we're at a point right now where it's hard to keep anybody that isn't a superstar. Um, let's move over to the Tigers. Casey Mize pitched yesterday on Monday and he was pretty mediocre at, at best. Really. We'll, we'll say pretty poor, actually four runs, three of them earned on five hits, two walks, two strikeouts and three and a third against the Cubs. There's not really any shame in losing to the Cubs. But it certainly wasn't very good. Uh, Tariq Skubal on Sunday bounced back from his disastrous first outing, but also wasn't uh, wasn't particularly special there. After two starts apiece, and I know you and you and Jason talked about these guys on Sunday with regards to Fab bidding, and I got to be honest, I, I was not able to listen to that yet. How dare you? So I'm curious where um, where you come out on them now. Two starts in for each because we've seen four and a third total from Scooble because even the uh, the decent work on Sunday was marred by the fact that you know he had 69 pitches which is not that nice and two and in two and a third but he only gave up a run three hits a walk five strikeouts so it was much better and then like I said Mize after the scintillating debut was pretty blah yesterday was pretty bad so where, where do you come out on the two Tigers now that we've seen a pair of starts from both I come out exactly where I was when we talked about this last time which was uh, I let everybody else kind of do the major betting on them this week. Uh, and as much as I like both of their talents for 2021 and beyond, I just mm-hmm. didn't like the way the schedule lined up for them. And they, they've, I think both have, are kind of set up for uh, two or their next two starts to be against the Twins. Just not a situation where I'm going to feel super comfortable starting them. And so I, in most leagues, I didn't even put a Keith Yondas bid on them. Because I didn't want him clogging up my roster. Uh, and uh, that's, you know, a bummer in terms of getting, you know, ha- having an extra reason to watch these guys. But I don't need a reason to watch baseball. Uh, it'll have to be on my fantasy team for me to uh, to watch them. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, I'm staying away. And uh, I think if you have the ability to just keep them reserved on your team for kind of the end of the season when they get to play the Royals a few times... Uh, then you do that. But if you don't, and I don't think a lot of people are in a position where they can just have a dead spot on their roster while they wait two to, two to three weeks, um, you, you just kind of you cut them and move on for now. Yeah, there, there's not a lot of uh, massive interest for both of them at this point. I'm sticking with Mize. Um, you know, he was so good in the first outing and then, you know, comes back the other way in the second and still wasn't like, the end of the world three earned and three and a third the strikeouts just weren't there the way we'd seen with the with the first outing and he gets minnesota later this week which is tough but i still think he's gonna be able to deliver some value scuba we just don't he's just not ramped up and i think that's gonna make it hard to deliver any sort of fantasy value so i understand uh you know not really being super keen on either of them for the rest of this year i'm still sticking with mize though and uh we'll, we'll see how it goes with scuba let's go on to our next piece the Rockies starting pitchers. Now, if I told you that they had some good ones, I just said, what do you think's going on with them? By the way, they've fallen back to where they belong. They're 14 and 15. 
But they still have some starting pitchers who are doing well. It is not Herman Marquez. It is not John Gray. They've been their worst, too, by a, a lot. 4.38 ERA for Marquez with a 127 whip and less than a strikeout per inning. John Gray, 6.23 and a 135. Get out of here with all that. It's been Kyle Freeland, Ryan Castellini, and Antonio Senzatella. Now, Castellini pitched yesterday, and that's the reason that I was interested in even talking about this. He now has 20 and a third innings of a 3.54 ERA and a .98 whip. However, the 6.28 FIP is looming there. And I'm sure the fact that he doesn't have a ton of strikeouts and a gaudy home run rate is doing a lot of work there. He's allowed five homers in these three outings, two home, two away, by the way. And his worst one, five five runs in five and two-thirds, was at home against Houston. So you kind of expect all that. Uh, but Freeland's bounce back has been interesting. And by the way, I'll give you some credit. When we did our out-of-nowhere predictions uh, for a breakout for every team, Kyle Freeland was your Rocky. And that worked out. That's worked out pretty well. By the way, we had some gems. I'm just I'm just going to toot our horns a little bit here. We had some gems. Antonio, uh, Anthony Santander, excuse me. Tasker Hernandez, Zach Plesak, Brandon Nimmo, Dominic Smith, Jesse Winker, Chris Taylor, Kyle Freeland. We we're both in on Daniel Hudson, uh, Austin Nola, and Kyle Lewis. We both crushed the uh, Seattle ones. Anyway, we had some duds too, and uh, as expected. But I think our hit rate for an out of nowhere breakout, which was pick 300 or later, and you had two that were just inside pick 300 that were gems as well, happened May. Um, so anyway, a little, little horn tooting there. But Freeland was one of your picks. How much do you still believe in him? He has 287, 116, uh, excuse me, 112 ERA whip combo. Sensatella has been solid, 396, 110 whip. And then I mentioned Castellini's numbers. Of those three, who do you believe in the most? Oh, I think it's Freeland, just because we've seen him do this before. Mm-hmm. And are you seeing Freeland as in all formats play in terms of being on a roster not necessarily a set it and forget it but are you putting him on your roster in a 10 teamer yes okay is he a no chance at home and just road or is he are you picking your spots with freeland at home i think you're picking your spots uh i mean there are some just dead teams that he's gonna get to face i mean i mean Eric- he killed the padres giants and Diamondbacks at home in three consecutive starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it. I think he is one of those guys that you're just gonna kind of play around with. Uh, and I think maybe if if you're a little strikeout starved and you want to maintain your ratios, maybe he's not the guy to go with because he's not gonna strike out a ton of guys. In, yeah. Uh, so if uh, you have an innings limit too, because then it becomes mm-hmm. a K per nine league essentially. Exactly. By the way, after those three home starts. He went to the Astros and Dodgers and stayed hot with back-to-back quality starts against those. Like he is out here pitching remarkably well. Like uh, I'm been impressed with what Kyle Freeland's doing, and it's definitely a throwback to 18. So it's like you know, 18 was excellent, 19 was just impossibly bad, and then here we are in 20, looking looking really sharp right now with with Freeland. And obviously, there's going to be some regression, but I just don't think it's going to be like destroy you rest of the way and so i mean obviously i mean he's still available in some deeper formats uh because people just don't believe in the rocky starters and so exactly and they refuse to and listen you won't go broke doing that Mm -hmm. so i don't blame folks who do that 
Maybe I don't blame them because I'm one of those people. <laughs> but you know, I've been there. I've been there on the John Gray train before. I've been there on the Herman Marquez train before. I was in on Freeland last year, thinking, "Hey, he did some big things last year." Uh, excuse, last year being 18, going into 2019, he did some big things. He was pretty capable at home. I even, you know, tried to make this convoluted case that because he grew up in Colorado and pitched in Denver in high school and everything. You know, maybe he's been acclimated to the altitude to a degree that he would be less affected. But that that park always wins. And so, you know, you be you still be careful with Freeland at home. But I agree with you. Your pitching, your your current setup should should matter. If you're protecting ratios, you you can't risk it because he could have a nine earned run outing in Coors where he doesn't even pitch that poorly. But that park just yeah, just and it, it could be against anyone. Like, and that's. Yes. Yeah, that's the hard part. It, it, in Herman Marquez's defense, he had a two twenty five ERA before that last start against Astros, and that's where we're at still. And we're going to be there all year with small samples. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so that that's a fair point to bring up. I, I hadn't I hadn't realized that, and that's definitely worth bringing up. And, and he gave up the ten earned, and that's that's what happens is you get diced for ten. After going one one two two two, and some people ate that because it wasn't at home, and then some people didn't eat it because it was the Astros. Exactly. No, it was in Colorado. Oh, never mind. Okay, it was in Colorado. But some people probably ate it because he had a two twenty five, and he's Herman Marquez, and he beat the park for a half season before. So I bet well, I bet a decent number no. of folks. What? Never, never mind. You were talking about two thousand and eighteen when he beat the park. Yeah, yeah. I, I bet a decent number of people ate that. Probably. I mean, yeah, he, he had been fantastic. He'd been, he'd been excellent. But, I mean, is... he had done all of his work on the road, except for going up against my lowly giants. <laughs> that, but this is, in essence, why I don't mess with Coors. I mean, that, that, that's a perfect example, because he's a great pitcher, who I would probably have in my top 20 if he was on any other team. What do you think the chances are that they could move him? They could move him. I, I'm I'm parsing your words. I know what you're saying, but they could absolutely move him. And if they, if they wanted to get a freaking mint, they should be out there pounding the pavement. Chances that they do is low because, and I I, I actually agree with not doing it because developing pitching is so difficult for them, and and acquiring it is is damn near impossible. And that no contract's going to look really good for them for the next exactly. you know, four no years. No one wants to come via free agency. So when they when they actually develop somebody who's shown the kind of capability that he has uh, for Marquez, nah, he makes uh, seven point eight next year, eleven three, fifteen three, and then a sixteen team option at age twenty nine, which could still be very useful to them, even if he's like a four forty pitcher at four forty ERA pitcher at that time, because if you can do it for two hundred innings, they're still going to take that. So uh, between Castellini and Sensatello, who would you trust more and say a 15-teamer? Castellini, I think. But okay. that's that, that's difficult. I, I mean, Sensatello has just been – has just burned me so many times. Yeah, yeah every time you start to kind of feel something, feel some type of way about him, he, he brings it back to reality. Mm-hmm. And I think Castellini will probably do that too. Mm-hmm. Castellini or Gray then? Gray. Are you sure Gray's been brutal, dude? Yeah, I know, but I just... Eight strikeouts in 30 innings. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I think the correct answer is neither. Neither. Yep, correct. 
Correct. Okay, let's move on. Too much time on Rockies pitchers there. There's a Justin Verlander update. He threw 20 pitches without issue on Sunday. Here um, we go. He said he felt pretty good according to the reports. Dusty Baker said that's a positive sign. He's aiming to return in mid-September. What what odds do you put on that at this point? 50%. Okay, 50-50 shot. If he's available in your leagues, are you picking him up? I picked him up in the main event. I know, but if he's week. still available, are you still going to get him? Yeah, I think you've got to. It's uh, If you can afford to roster that dead spot, not everybody can. Exactly. Um, I we, mean, we say this before. He deserves to be on a roster, maybe not your roster. Exactly. I, I you know, I, as per usual, my teams are not hit hard by injuries. Pardon? <laughs> Excuse you, me, good you, sir. You know, 2020 is crazy because my teams are healthy. Everything's upside down. Yep, everything is just crazy. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm actually currently in the main event. Um, my team is doing doing well and so healthy that I have on my reserve list Justin Verlander, uh, Gavin Lux, both of whom I picked up I think two weeks ago. Wow, and, and, nice stash. And I actually have Aroldis Chapman on my reserve list. Holy smokes! Wait, didn't he come back? He did. But you but, were able to. Not... I'm so far ahead in saves. Ah, there you go. I've got. Go. I think I'm third in saves in the overall. Oh wow! Who do you have? Uh, I had Zach Britton, Daniel Hudson. Oh, you had the uh, Chapman the and Liam Hendricks. Oh, jeez. And so, uh, yeah, it's like Chapman only has five games this week. He goes to reserve list, and I'm getting another starter in there. Well, you got kind of burned there, though, because... It was Brad Keller. Well, it was Brad Keller, but you got burned on the games because they added games. Yeah, that's the bummer. The the, but, but I will say, for a reliever, that's not necessarily... Like, that's bigger for a hitter because... Um, you know, he's not necessarily going to be pitching like back to back in a double header or anything like that. So, yeah, I, I, I understand. I agree. You know, Verlander's out there. Dusty and I cut him. He is still out there. So maybe we look at getting him back. Um, our pitching has not missed a beat, thankfully, um, despite losing him, which was tough. So, yeah, we'll kind of see where it's at right there. But I just want to give that update on Verlander. I hope he comes back. You guys know. Um, yeah. Gargantuan fan of him, so he could be I'd huge love... down the stretch, especially if he's ramped up enough to go five. Oh, I know it, it would be massive for both them and fantasy teams, without a doubt. Um, all right, next up, three more call ups. By the way, it's been call up mania, even more so than we've ever seen in this type of season. Um, because obviously it's compressed, but it's been awesome. Brian Hayes, Leody Tavares, and Ian Anderson are the next three. Third baseman for the Pirates, outfielder for the Rangers, and a pitcher for the Braves. Off the top, who's most fantasy viable? Ian Anderson. Okay, as the pitcher for the Braves. And uh, what sort of format range does he have? I think probably 12 team and deeper. Okay. Uh, You're not going to want to use him for this first start today. Obviously against the Yankees, uh... But I would pick him up and stash him. Uh, I mean, he's got three above-average pitches. Uh, I think good command. They are desperate for a rotation piece in Atlanta right now. Yeah. 
that that isn't just Max Fried. Like they need yeah. somebody else to stick for them right now. Who would have thought if you had said two years ago that they would only have one starting pitcher that panned out, no one would have guessed it was Max Fried. No. No, not 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 at that point in time. And of course, you know, injury has been the sure. reason, not not talent. But yeah, it's it's been brutal. Well, underperformance has too. I mean, two... well, not. I, I was just pointing out. That oh, that they only had Soroka one. Absolutely panned <laughs> yeah, out too, for sure. So that's why it was. It's only one currently. But yeah, underperformance has definitely been part of it, without a doubt. Without so, a doubt. Yeah, so. I, th- I think he's my best bet. I just don't trust Tavares to have a large role on the team and okay. is I actually do like Hayes, but it's the Pirates. Yeah. I, I do worry a little bit if if Tavares um He was Tavares, up earlier this season, didn't even get a plate appearance. Oh yeah, one of the one of those. Now wait, I know Chu is nicked. Is he day to day? I believe he is on that. I think they're uh, trying to avoid putting him on yeah, the IL. He's out with the calf right now, but if he has to go on the IL, that would open up a spot right away for Tavares, and then he could become a, a bit of a speed option. And then I believe, did you just say that uh, with Hayes, it's it's the Pirates was your was yeah your yeah that's my and I understand that I do I do understand that um, they could move Eric Gonzalez though, like not that they're going to get anything for him, but just get a little little nibble of something. And then open up third base there for him. There's no need to keep Eric Gonzalez around. He's been leading off for them, but he's a utility type. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. I I still like Hayes. I think I would go. You know, if they do, by the way, that one's not official. The other two are official. Mm-hmm. The the Hayes is assumed that he's going to be called up today, unless then something's changed since this morning when I was doing the rundown. It is just uh, assumed that he's on his way up. If he does make it up, though think I would put him over Anderson because I think that they'd be bringing him up to play but I'm with you that I like Anderson and then I would have Tavares an easy third for sure so those are the three call-ups right now we'll assess them further depending on how this week goes we'll talk about them as fab pickups as we get more clarity on them now we're gonna race against the clock here let's do this speed round stud versus dud rest of season and I'm gonna leave it pretty much to you to just go and we're gonna move on to the next one so we're taking somebody who's been great so far this year and much better than an underperforming guy who was drafted much higher. And I just want to know where you stand the rest of the year. Are you going to buy into the hot start? Or are you going to buy the regression candidate? Catcher, Pedro Severino versus Gary Sanchez. Who you got? I'll take Gary Sanchez. Okay. I will take um, I'll take Sanchez, too. First base, Luke Voigt versus Anthony Rizzo. No, it's not all going to be Yankees, but this is <laughs> they have the stud in this instance. I, you'll never guess who I'm taking. Yeah, no, and I'm with you. I'm taking Luke Voigt here. Me, too. Me too. I'm worried about Rizzo's health. He's hitting 213. Uh, that will smooth out a bit, but I'm going. Uh, I'm going with Voight here. And and he's panned out. It's Yankees injuries, man. Like he's got a spot to play, and he's usually exactly. been good when he plays. Exactly. Second base, Brandon Lau versus Jose Altuve. Brandon Lau, dude. I he was a guy I really bought into coming into the season, uh, and I wish I had gotten him on more teams. But yeah, completely believe in this. Same. My only concern was the strikeout rate. We did talk about how there was reason to believe that it could come down. It's come down big time, down to 23% with a 12% walk rate. He's been excellent. I'm picking Lau over Altuve as well. Third base, Cal Seager versus Rafael Devers. Devers. 
you know, I think I'm going to go Seager for rest of the season because he's killing and he had a great finish to last year. The plate profile is off the charts. And I think that there's just a Paul, not a Paul, not a me, <laughs> a P-A-L-L over the Red Sox this year that I think is just going to kind of permeate everything. And Devers is probably going to be better than the 77 WRC plus rest of way. But I'd rather have Seager. I got to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I can understand it. Uh, though the people who keep saying, "Well, the the Mariners can trade uh, Seager," uh, they're not he, that, that club option, dude. Yeah. Or, that turn that automatically vests into a uh, into a player option. Yeah, uh, and he's been great, but I just don't think that that's going to be traded. Yeah, no. like because of his contract. Yeah. So, and he's kind of a institution there. So, mm-hmm. I think they're going to hang on to him. Um, he's one of the few bright spots that they do have, and we're gonna, we'll get to another one later. Shortstop, Tim Anderson versus Javi Baez. Uh, this one feels like it's not even far apart, but there was there was some disparity between them draft wise. I'm gonna go Anderson. I just don't understand how he keeps hitting for these averages. Like I just don't well, get it. He smacks he's the piss out of the ball. Four hundred BABIP. But that's what he had last year for I know. a full and we, and we were like, season. That has to come down. I just don't get it. Like, I just don't understand this. They're the same player, yet one yeah. is having, like, this unbelievable season, and then one is heavy Baez. Yeah. No, it is it it is wild. And, um, you know, Baez was taken as the eighth shortstop at pick uh, in, in the 30 to 35 range. Anderson was the 13th shortstop in the uh 65 to 75 range so again there was some disparity there i think i'm going to take anderson as well um the these two this is probably the biggest toss above the bunch though i i really don't see as much disparity between these two as some of the other ones that we're talking about i can't believe that his babip is still at 400 like i can't that was the one certainty is that that has to come down like that <laughs> Just makes no sense. That has to come down, and it has not come down. And he's just crushing the ball. And I got to be honest, I'm playing a little bit of favorite. Although I love watching both, so I, I can't even go too far with that. But watching Tim well, Anderson, and the both White of Sox these guys like, need to be the face of the league. I know, I know. They should really be front and center. They seem like really good dudes. They're a lot of fun just, to watch. Just play. put shortstops out front, and that'll be these two guys and Lindor. You got you got shortstops for days. Trey oh Turner, Trevor Story, seem like Fernando Tatis Jr. Hello, he's been the breakout stud of the year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, but I'm gonna go Anderson. That one's super super close though. I, that's basically a coin flip to me. Uh, all right, three outfielder pairings here: Teoscar Hernandez versus Joey Gallo. Mm, Gallo. Pardon me, I was taking a drink there. I'm going to push you a little bit on why for a couple reasons. One, Tasker's your boy. <laughs> Tasker's my boy. <laughs> Big time. And two, Joey Gallo's hitting 200, and this was telegraphed, man, that that, that that last year's batting average was a fraud. He had a 500 BABIP against lefties, leading to a 333 average against them. Otherwise, he hit 217 against righties. So... You know, th- this was this was my big concern with him as far as drafting him as somebody who'd really improved in any tangible way. So I don't know. You you don't think Teoscar is is just as good, if not better, and that his average has a little bit 
more viability to it because he he's never been a 200 guy the way Gallo has? I mean, do I think his average is going to be better rest of the way? Yes. It's okay. not going to be close to 294, though. That's fine. But 240 to 200 is still a, a decent disparity. Sure. I just think that when that average comes a little bit more back down to earth, he's just not quite getting quite as much power with it. And I just think the upside on Gallo is huge. Uh, like both guys. Like I, I would not yeah, I like, be, I like would both. not be like selling high on Teoscar right now. Um, I do kind of worry. Like that Vogelbach trade made absolutely no sense for Why their team. Why did they get Vogelbach, dude? And but that's just another thing that can clog up the DH, which is a spot where, though I will say defensively, Hernandez has looked a little bit better this season. Yes, yes, he, he's gone to a non-awful level yes he i mean he's he's really about league average right now so uh which is is gallo's upside really that high though because hmm. maybe maybe the thought of gallo the the again he hit 253 last year but he needed a 368 overall babbit which was powered by that 500 against lefties and he started to do some things we saw some opposite field singles some bunts things like that and he's an amazing power source i don't know like I, i do love gallo but when push comes to shove next year, and I'm going to be comparing these two, Hernandez is still going to be exponentially cheaper, and I'm still going to want to lean his way, even though their make because their makeup is similar. So why wouldn't I just take the cheaper version? I I, I agree in that in that regard, um, and I think uh, I think this one is probably is the closest one for me. Okay, okay. Well, we got two more here in about five minutes. That's why we're able to Let's take a little this. bit of time on that. Here's a Giants one for you, Mike Yastrzemski. Versus Cattell Marte. And by the way, Marte has not been bad. A lot of these struggling, uh, a lot of these stars have been struggling a bit. Um, Marte has not been one of them, really. He's, he's hitting 328, 355, 431. The power hasn't really been there, though. One homer and one steal. So the counting numbers haven't been. But he hasn't been a total dud. But where do you come out between Yastrzemski and Marte? Rest of year. I'm going to go Marte. Uh in spite of the fact that Mike Yastrzemski is the MVP right now of the National the League. League in war, war, I'm I'm taking Yaz, dude. I I I gotta wonder why why wouldn't you take Yaz? Like I just feel like this has to come back to earth. To to what degree though? The profile is excellent. Like yeah. everything's supported here. So sure, maybe he doesn't finish with the league lead in war and all that 1074 OPS but what's it coming down to an 850 yeah something I mean the 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 profile is not bad and I don't think he's gonna be bad rest the way I don't think that he from a fantasy standpoint is super sexy like I mean I mean if you look at the projections and I think the projections are obviously selling him way short we're, sure. t- we're well, talking about a guy that's going to add maybe another six, five, six home runs. And, like, let's say he keeps the average at about a 280. Like, that's not bad. Marte's but, not doing better than that. And I, Well, I think he could rest the way. Like, that, the I Giants mean, offense around him is atrocious. I just... Could. Well, same, same goes for Marte. <laughs> but it shouldn't be atrocious. Like, I don't get I, why I it's so atrocious. But, um, and, and I love Marte, but you say he's not a, you say Yastrzemski's not a sexy fantasy player. 
neither is Marte. Yeah. He doesn't run enough. So it's, he should it's run more. batting average and power, and the power has really, really fallen off. He's gone from a 264 ISO to a 103. I think it's Yaz in a slam dunk here. Wow. I mean, I, I don't have a legit argument against it. Um, Be a homer. Take your guy. So those of you that have uh, always like been like, oh, you're a Giants homer. Like, I, I, I still don't believe to this extent. <laughs> um, even though I should. I mean, he's go- pretty great last year though too. So yeah. even if he's just that guy. I mean, I'm glad I have him on a number of teams. Uh, another instance where my main event partner was smarter than me, uh, and re- really it's pushed. Really a high bar to clear. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I mean, yeah, just his O swing is 20%, zone contact 88. Tangible change. He's 29, so he's like a fully formed guy here who's made some changes. I'm loving this from Yaz, though. I I really am. Um, He's been incredible, and I I, I don't hate Marte. I really like him as a player. But what I'm seeing here with the power outage, I got to take Yaz all the way. But we got to get one more here in two minutes. Cal Lewis versus Ramon Laureano. And Laureano, and I'm, I'm not saying it's because of the fight, but he was doing really well. And then, like, pretty much since then, he's been a nightmare. Uh, he's down to 225, 372, which is still nice, but then a 371. His OBP is higher than his slug. Because he keeps getting hit. Yeah, He's been hit he more does. than any player in the league. He does. I mean, he's got eight hit by pitches. He's got three just since the, uh, just since the two in the Houston game. But, yeah, since that point... He had 274, 406, 519 in that game when he was hit twice. I He's believe in Kyle Lewis. 143, 318, 143 since then. You're taking Lewis over Loriano? I am. I shouldn't because of Loriano's speed potential, but, I man, I just love Lewis Kyle Lewis. Lewis Not. I mean, he's not going to, though. I don't think he's going to run. He's got two. Yeah, he might get another two. But, Loriano I mean, has one. Loriano has the ability to steal seven bases the rest of the way. Oh, I don't know about that. He doesn't run like he could, just as much as Lewis could. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I do have to get going. Um, there's some studs versus duds. Justin, have a great day. We'll talk Thursday with Jason Martinez. Take it easy.